Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are, well, we're not actually live, but we're here at WPPI and um, the first of a number of podcast interviews that I get to do this week with, and this one happens to be with my friend, Lindsay. And Lindsay, for all of our listeners out there, tell us how you pronounce your last name. Abshagen. Of course, you all will see this in the, the podcast notes and the episode notes, but um, we'll let you learn how to pronounce that all on your own. Good luck. <laughs> but Lindsay and I had the opportunity to actually connect originally back at the WPPI last year, 2017, uh, back here for 2018, and actually really interested in kind of a, a new experience, a new location. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the, the conference and the trade show is like this year, but what are your expectations? Oh, I think it'll be great. It's much more conducive to people getting together and networking and talking to each other. So I think this is going to be a really good year. Cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's in, a, in a vastly different location than last year. And the, the thing, the experience that I certainly had, and I think others did as well last year, was that um, it was tough to connect with people as readily as we had been able to in years past and at the MGM. And so we're at the Mandalay Bay Casino and Resort this year, and it should be an interesting experience nonetheless. But I appreciate you making time to sit down with the podcast, share a little bit. And we're going to be diving into, a, yet again, a slightly different topic than we've ever really covered on the podcast. We've, we've touched briefly on commercial photography in the past, but you are deep in it. And so, and, and not only just commercial photography, but photography of chocolate, which has to be fun. I mean, at least because you get to eat it, right? It's delicious. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that here in just a bit. But we usually start off the podcast with something that we call the, the aha moment. And um, this is very simply maybe the biggest or, or most difficult lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner. I want, even if our listeners only listen to an episode for five minutes, I want them to be able to walk away with something. And I'm curious what one of the biggest lessons that you've learned as a photography business owner has been. I think one of the biggest things was realizing how hard it would be at the beginning. People don't realize that right from the start, it's going to be an uphill battle. And then once you hit that, it, it's it's what everyone talks about when they stand up at events like WPPI. This is great. Look at how, how well I'm doing. Learn from me. But that uphill battle sometimes is a little bit under-discussed. And so I think that's one of them. And then one of the biggest moments that comes from that is, for me, an aha moment is, oh my gosh, this is working. <laughs> and that's something that, again, not a lot of people talk about. But wow, okay, I, I climbed and climbed and climbed. And all of a sudden, you sit back one day and you're like, I think I made it. I, I think this is working. So made it in the sense that you're beginning to see results, you see income, you're getting clients on the books. Is that what you mean? I'm sure it's different for everybody. It could be a combination of all of those. It could be just one of those. Maybe you pay yourself that month or uh, maybe you buy a new camera and you're going, oh, this is working. Maybe it's all of that. For me, it was just literally sitting back and going, I have a business. I haven't, I, I, it's working. I'm growing. Things are getting better every year. I think this is going to work. That that makes sense. Now, when you talk about the uphill battle, I mean that that's uh, I think that's actually one of the biggest apprehensions that photographers have when they're getting starting started in businesses. 
many times they, they don't really have a whole lot of idea what it even means to run a business. Photography may even be a new thing to them. And now they're not only going to get into photography, but also launch a photography business. I guess in that so-called uphill battle, what was one of the things that, that you saw created the most impact in a positive way that you put in place in your business? I think, and you'll hear me talk about this a lot, relationships has always been the biggest one, whether it's with my vendors, whether it's with my clients. For me, there was always that understanding that it, it, it will all work out if I put value in, in my relationships with, with the people around me. And that's professional, personal, everything like that. But I think that's always the biggest way to biggest place to put your energy is into the people around you and it always comes back um networking with other photographers they would help me figure out how much to charge and price structure things like that things that you know when you're just starting out you have no idea where you should be and it's just for me always just taking the time to invest in other people and it comes back tenfold well it's it's relationships so if i'm if i'm to categorize it really quickly in my mind i'm thinking about relationships for the sake of support so you have your support structure, that's really important. And relationships for the sake of learning, as you were talking about. Relationships for the sake of referrals. You think, and I think about, especially as a wedding photographer, I shot weddings for about 10 years. Um, the, the, the vendors in particular that I had relationships with that might send me business. And then the actual relationships with our clients or potential clients. It's the building of the foundation for a business, I think. You have to wear so many different hats, but when it comes down to it, you have to build that infrastructure in order to make it work. And for me, that infrastructure, the ground beneath me, the roads, everything has been the people, the vendors, the clients, exactly what you just described. But it all came down to the relationships. And everything can be built off of that, the skill sets, the I mean, so many different things. But it all came from that foundation that you build from day one. And we talked about this earlier. I'm, I'm smiling thinking about uh, our conversation during brunch earlier. We were talking about how some of the biggest lessons in life for us as we, quote, grow up um, are those that are very simple. And you'd think something like relationships would almost be a given, but there's a tendency, I think, in the artist's world, the photography industry to, and I've certainly been guilty of it, uh, to withdraw, to kind of go inward. When the reality is, Despite however much you might think you're an introvert, you've got to connect with people. Even if it's if you're not comfortable in bigger crowds, that's fine. Have have coffee with an individual, um, or you know, have meeting with maybe just a, a few of the local vendors, two or three of them, have dinner or lunch or something like that. But you can't shy away from relationships because they really are what what are going to actually uphold your business over the long run. Absolutely, and I wouldn't say try to fake it. <laughs> Make sure it's genuine because people will know right from the beginning, and it's go have a cup of coffee. It's wonderful to get to know the people that you're interacting with. It will make your life easier when you go to a venue to work with them. They know you, you know them, and you are genuinely care about the experience that you're helping pro- them provide. Same with your client. You, it's, it's all real. It needs to be exactly truth and who you are and building all of that in a very, very real way. Yeah, genuine relationships, no question. And so I think this is a good way to start the conversation off, too. I, I, I like the direction we're going. We're actually trying. I, I mentioned to you just before we got started, I'm used to these days, a lot of the, the interviews that I do are virtual. And it's a really unique experience in that while I miss the opportunity to be able to be right next to somebody and look them in the face and have a, an eye-to-eye conversation, there's a certain amount of comfort, too, in being able to just do the audio and be thinking about answers and even doodling a little bit in the, in the meantime, just to kind of encourage 
thoughts and response to those thoughts. Um, so we're trying a little bit of a different format here. I'm also trying new equipment. It's very, very simple. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be, be great. And uh, I, I like the direction already that we're going in conversation here. So let's, let's kind of continue this on. You and I have actually had the opportunity for some really good conversation, actually. I really appreciated the depth of, of some of our conversations that we've had over the last year since we, we met at WPPI. We have a connection originally just because you've been using Photographer's Edit for a, some time now. Um, and then we had a good conversation over coffee when we met there at WPPI. And uh, we've had some great conversation and follow-up since. So I've had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit. Most of our listeners probably don't know you. So I, this is a really fun question for me, but tell our listeners something just like totally random about you that most people might not know. This is actually a very hard one for me to answer because I am who I am from day one. And so there's not a lot of big wow moments <laughs> when it comes to answering a question like that. If we sit down and we we talk, you'll you'll probably know everything you ever wanted to know. There's not a lot to be hidden or, um, oh, I never told you this one story from way back in my childhood. There's nothing like that. It's, it's, it is what it is and <laughs> this is who I am and you get what you get and I'm excited about that. I think it makes it really, really great to it, it makes it very easy to have relationships with people because you're never trying to be different people for different people. This is just me. And, and I have to, I pulled the mic away there, but I had to comment on this really quickly because I think that's part of the reason you and I connected over conversations so well in the first place is that we both want a similar type of interaction with people. And we were discussing this at brunch. It's, it's unfortunately, it's rare, uh, it, it feels like anyway, to have those kinds of genuine, not only genuine connections and conversations. You know, at WPPI, the average conversation is, how, how are you doing? How's business? When did you get in? I, I hate that conversation. How long have you been here? Um, but, like, let's go deep. You know, and, and it, in fact, it even makes me think about, like, I need to come up with a list of even two or three questions, like deep questions that are totally going to catch people off guard from, from the get-go, like that go way, way, way past the how long have you been here at WPPI question and go deep immediately. It's kind of fun even to throw people off guard a little bit. But nonetheless, you and I enjoy those types of conversations. And, and I do love the fact that you are quite transparent and very real. And the world needs more of not only those types of people, but those kinds of conversations. So kudos to you for that. It's certainly been great for our conversation and I'm excited about what that's going to mean for our conversation today. It's it's an easy thing to put out there, and I agree. I need to really work on some questions for the rest of today because I've already answered answered the same ones you just discussed exactly probably five times this morning. So yeah. we need to get a little bit deeper and work on that superficial conversation. Well, and, and I would we were talking about what drives that kind of uncomfortability that people have in going deep, and one of the things that you were talking about was just the fear of what people think of us. And I'd love for you to just to kind of comment on that briefly, because it was a really good conversation. I think it's important for all of us to be thinking about this. In fact, uh, a conversation that I had with or have had with my son as of late is one of, in this particular situation, you it's a situation you don't like or you feel uncomfortable in. Why? Ask why. Don't just say this is who you are or this is how you feel and leave it at that, but understand the psychology that drives it because it's going to make you so much more, it's so much stronger a person and be able to, to well, just face the world at large personally and professionally, I think a lot more effectively if you understand the psychology that's driving your feelings and your behaviors. But just comment a little bit on that idea of putting yourself out there and being okay with feeling uncomfortable in that even. 
I think a perfect example is is being here in Vegas. I'm from Colorado. I'm from a mountain town in Colorado. Vegas is about as far from that as you can get. So even gearing myself up to get here and then the last 24 hours it's been working up courage it's been getting I'm outside of my comfort zone this is not a place I really understand the environment it's a place where I feel very a little bit self-conscious and (laughs) I was walking around this morning doing that exact same thing saying okay why do I feel uncomfortable oh because I'm worried that I don't have the right clothes on or maybe I'm a little bit too Colorado and here I am in Vegas and um, all of those kinds of things and then finally after a few minutes of walking around I said you know what it really doesn't matter what really matters is being able to stand up and walk around and say this is who I am this is what I'm wearing this is what I've got and it's amazing that once you change that mindset which (laughs) granted it's not easy it's not easy for anyone um, but once you get into that mindset of this is this is great. This is who I am, and it's not about me or what I'm wearing. Then all of a sudden, you <laughs> smile a little bit more, and you get to have a lot more conversations with people. And you're just you're less in a shell. You're much more open to the world around you. And of course, the the funny irony about this, and I've, I've been reminded of this personally too, is that people aren't paying as much attention to us as we might think. Sometimes, even that, ironically, is kind of ego driven, right? right we got to set the ego aside and, and just be. And not only will that minimize stress in our life, but it'll open up opportunities for connection with other people. It'll be really, really wonderful. Now, you mentioned Colorado, and you said mountain town. And in, in my mind, like Colorado and mountain town is almost synonymous regardless of where you are in Colorado. But you're in a, like a relatively small mountain town. There with your family, you've got two wonderful little kids. Tell us a little bit about your family and how you guys like to spend your time. We were just talking about this at brunch, too. Yep. So I'm born and raised in a small town called Durango. Um, It's actually in the southwest corner of the state. So we live in the mountains, but right around me is a lot of ranch country and um, we're surrounded by multiple Indian reservations and it's it's very kind of diverse. We're an hour away from the New Mexico border. Um, so it's a little bit different than when we think of the Front Range Denver area, mountain towns um, but it, it's a beautiful community very diverse. Um, my husband and I actually both grew up there but met later in life and um, we get to do amazing things. I had a great time growing up there, moved back and um, my kids are four and two and they are loving <laughs> the life that we're able to give them. They're doing ski lessons and biking. We bike to town all the time, and we go camping frequently for fun. Um, my husband and I love to fish, and it's just this its this very neat culture um, where there's not a lot of emphasis placed on looks and superficial things like that, where it's more about time and being with people and doing things, um, which I find to be a very healthy environment, both mentally and physically. Um, And it's a wonderful place to own a business. The small town culture is fantastic for um, networking relationships. And I think that's why this is so important to me in my life is because I grew up like that. (laughs) Everyone knows everything for the most part, and everyone has someone else's back if something goes wrong. And in the same token, there are no secrets. (laughs) So you better not try to keep any. (laughs) But I'm so... And I know it has its drawbacks, the small town atmosphere, but I'm so envious of that community that you're talking about. It's got to be such a beautiful thing, not to mention the beautiful nature that you live in. And you get to spend quite a bit of time skiing, snowboarding. You're talking about your kids learning. Um, I I learned something new today about skiing because I've I've never been snow skiing or snowboarding before. We were talking about this when, when we were eating earlier and um, you, you, the two terms that you, that you mentioned were, you said pizza and then French fries. So for those, I mean, maybe most people have gone skiing. I didn't, I didn't know what these terms meant. Explain what these terms mean. 
So I'll use my children to explain these terms because they are very different personalities. So my daughter is a pizza skier, and that means she's very cautious. She she has her tips of her skis together and the backs out in a power wedge, and that is a very great way to snowplow your down way down the mountain where you're slowing down. That's how kids learn how to ski. They have to make this pizza shape so that they can learn how to ski. Um, and my son is more into the French fry, where your skis are parallel next to each other, so you can go as fast as you can down the mountain, and eventually you learn how to incorporate both into your skiing style. But for um, teaching a two and a four year old how to ski, it it's very effective to go straight to foods that everyone knows. <laughs> It's <laughs> so funny. I mean, I've never, I've water skied before. If you tried the pizza approach, you'd go face plant into the water, right? So that wouldn't work very well. I mean, you just have to go for it from the beginning. But I'd never heard that association between skiing and these particular types of food. I hope one day that I have the opportunity to take the French fry approach and go really fast down the hill because it seems exhilarating. But you talked about free time and what you guys do with your free time and this is a question I, I normally ask our guests. How do you create that free time? Because we're going to talk about your business model here in just a little bit. You've got your hands full. And I know 2017 in particular was a busy year for you. Within that busyness, how do you create free time for yourself, for your family to connect with each other? Are there particular maybe tools or workflow techniques that you use to create that space? One thing I've learned is to not strive for this perfect idea of balance. I don't really believe there's such a thing as balance. I think every week, every day, every month is different. Different things are going to need different amounts of attention, and you just kind of have to give yourself a break and allow that. It's important to have a lot of support. I think like we talked about, people in your life that understand that there's this ebb and flow of creating this balance, and I think it's really important to just kind of stay present, um, realize that this is the best you can do at the time that you're doing it, and just be where you're at. Um, Some weeks, work is really busy and I don't see my kids as much some weeks I take extra days off of work and maybe it takes me one to two days to get back to an email instead of an hour but I spent that time with them so I use calendars a lot and lists I've got a big dry erase board in my studio where I track workflow everything like that so I never feel like it's all living in my head because that'll come up in your dreams and keep you up all night it's somewhere well, do you, do you run the risk with a dry erase board? I'm thinking of two little kids running around and they come in with an eraser or, or their hands for that matter and just like get rid of that list really quickly for you. It's um, way up high on my desk okay. on the on the wall posted up there. It's probably at least eight feet up off the wall. So for that exact reason. <laughs> That's really funny. But I, I like the fact that this has come up now more than once in the podcast, this notion of setting aside maybe it's not even cultural expect- expectation of balance. Different people have different ideas of what balance means, and I think that's part of the point, right? It's very subjective. I think that I came from a place that, well, just from personal experience, I was really, really sensitive to the notion of not letting work take over my personal life, especially for the sake of my kids. And um, I've not loosened up on prioritizing that, but I've loosened up on kind of putting, getting in my head that there was kind of like you were talking about one way that that should look, that it had to be this extreme kind of all or nothing. You know, you only work three hours a day and then, and then the rest of the time you're with your kids kind of, and that's extreme. Um, that it, to your point, just the significance of being present. And I really like the idea of managing my kids' expectations as to, even if I can't spend time with them right now, at least communicating with them about what's going on that I'm thinking about them and spending time with them, but that right this moment, you know, this evening I have to work a little bit extra. I'm on a deadline or I have this thing going on. Um, so I can't hang out tonight, but I'm looking forward to hanging out tomorrow night. Just communication, managing expectations is really important too. And, and when you talk about being present, 
that that's one of the things that comes to mind. How do, what does being present look like for you and your family? Showing up with your mind and your body. Um, honestly, that's a very literal interpretation of it, but just being there, not being somebody, not being somewhere else, which is much harder to do than it sounds. Um, and I am in no way, shape, or form perfect at it. But I think it's just it's one of those things to be cognizant of what's going on around you and maybe even if it's hard to be present within yourself paying attention to the people around you my kids will tell me maybe not with their language but they'll tell me when they need more attention or if I'm if I'm not giving them what they need and so will my business if I'm if I'm getting too behind it's pretty obvious um, and I'm I'm incredibly lucky to live in Durango but also both of my my parents and my in-laws live in town um, and I've got this incredible community my husband is amazing and supportive so I always feel like I've got so much support and so much love that it makes it much easier to kind of pay attention to those people because I know how much they care about me. It's very easy to care about them. And it's this whole thing of balance and time and just paying attention to the people in your life. They'll they'll tell you. I mean, they're not going to come right out and, and say it, but if, if you're at all aware of what's going on, you can see it and then adjust. I, I like it. We'll just leave it at that. That's beautiful. Speaking of your business and, and how busy you can be, um, let's talk a little bit about your business. And I'm, I'm really curious, um, maybe you can share a little bit of the backstory, but then talk about your your brand position too. This is, a, this is something that we've been covering a good bit on the podcast, but you've got a little bit of a unique model in that you do range from wedding photography to portrait photography to then photographing chocolate, which is not something most photographers can say they do. So talk a little bit about your business. Yeah, so I got it started about eight years ago, although I have to be candid the first two to three years that technically was having a business license and sometimes getting gigs here and there and working other jobs, which is the nature of it. Um, My husband actually loaned me the money when we were dating to buy my first computer, which was really nice of him. (laughs) And I did pay him back, but it's one of those, you just get rolling. And then once it was rolling and I had that aha moment of, I think this is working, um, it just kind of took on a life of its own. And again, it's paying attention. What's, What's working? What's not working. Um, I live in a small town, so obviously my vendors were great feedback and the wedding, I'm a destination wedding town. So I get a lot of clients from all over the world. And if I can ask you, when you say small town, what's the population roughly? City population is 15,000. So it's not, it's not huge. (laughs) Um, Actually, we should double check that number, but it's not very big. (laughs) I know the high school is like a D2 school, so it's it's a smaller mountain town. And so, yeah, it's it's just, it's grown over the years and things just kind of, I I feel like I've had a lot of luck and I've also had a lot of hard work um, that have kind of come together. Um, I was doing lots of weddings and families um, and even I was having kids and so I was doing a lot of infants and babies and things like that and then kind of this whole chocolate thing fell into my lap in a lot of ways. I turned in, I was asked for an application and I turned in a resume that had pictures of cakes that I'd photographed at weddings and I was like, well, I'm sure I could figure that out. Great. And I ended up getting the job, which was incredible and amazing. And I have to credit the people at Rocky Mountain Chocolate who trusted me at the beginning, knowing what they were getting into with someone who was not super experienced, but really passionate and excited to work hard. And they, they gave me a shot and they were interested in the relationship as much as I was, which was how this beautiful thing is coming to fruition. It's all about relationships and working hard. And so, yeah, I'm, I photograph chocolate now and I'm expanding that part of my business into a lot more commercial work and I love it. And it actually piggybacks really, really well with weddings. I like the diversity. I like that it always keeps me on my toes. I think that 
no matter what type of photography you're doing, you're enhancing a skill. And so that skill will always come into play in some way, shape, or form. If I learned a new lighting technique in my studio photographing a piece of chocolate, I'm going to get to go apply that with my macro lens at a wedding. It, it goes back and forth. And I just love that it's always different. I'm never bored. I never go a day without learning something new. And I just find that so incredibly exhilarating for owning a business and doing this day after day that you can always have this energy coming from learning and doing new things and forming these relationships with people um it's just it's a wonderful wonderful way to make a living <laughs> well the, the variety is huge I, I know that i need variety in my life on multiple levels and um and i know this is the case for many photographers as well i mean it's easy to get burned out or bored distracted or otherwise um to have some variety and, and mix things up a bit it really does spice up our, our lives as entrepreneurs and photographers and i think that's important we're going to kind of dig into to your business model in a little bit a little bit more here in just a bit, but I am curious if if you're photographing all of this, or if you're, well, I guess, photographing all these different genres, offering these various services, how do you, or do you even, create a really distinct brand position? I mean, you're in a small market, so maybe that's an advantage to begin with, but how do you separate yourself from other photographers when somebody hears about your business? What do they automatically think when they hear that business name, and how do you ultimately make sure that that brand position is really clear? What they think, I depend. I think, depends on what they're looking for or what they've heard about, um, what they're inquiring about. But I'm actually in just <laughs> this week in the process of working on a website that has two different facets to it. One is commercial, one is portraits. For this exact reason, the commercial side has grown more than I expected it to a couple years ago. It's turned into something I absolutely love and want to keep doing more and more and more of. But it's very, very different. Very different clientele, very different almost everything except the fact it's photography. <laughs> and so working on separating those out a little bit has come into play in the last couple weeks. It's it's never been confusing for people because the people that want me to photograph their their products or their, their food are not usually my brides and grooms, so it's very different markets. Um, and same goes with vendors and everything like that. Um, if you're going to, you know, Google food photography in Durango, you're probably not googling weddings in Durango. So for the most part, it's it's separate. It's it's two different things. But it it's yeah. Well, and so you talked about separating the websites, and what was the motive behind that, or the impetus behind creating that separation? I didn't have any of my commercial work up online. I still don't. Um, I started out with Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory four years ago now and always saw them as just being my client. Um, and that was, they have full rights on their imagery as they should. They use them for all their marketing, um, websites, everything like that. And so it was never something that I was wanted to share. But I've I've found that having a resume and building that now I've got multiple other clients, um, it would be nice to showcase that a little bit so that I can bring in more clients. I now have a desire to do that. And so kind of separating that out on the website, making it so that everyone knows those are their images, they can't be stolen, just watching out for all of the logistics involved um, is just really, really important and very different than the other type of photography I do. So then if you don't have your commercial workout, it's mainly the wedding photography that you have on your current website. Uh, and by the way, for those of you listening in, um, Lindsay's website is, photography website is epic, E-P-P-I-C-H, photography.com. And uh, Instagram is the same thing, epic photography. But for the sake of your wedding photography business, how do you distinguish yourself to potential clients? Um, I do, I don't really advertise. It's a lot of word of mouth. 
small town, (laughs) small town, small business. That's how I operate. And so it's again, back to relationships, not to drive that point home too much, but that's what I do. Um, I have coffee with my vendors. I've got a couple vendors where I am their wedding photographer. They book packages for their clients and that includes me. And that is a beautiful thing. And I've kind of gotten more into the realm of smaller weddings. The venues that I work at quite a lot are, are smaller, more geared towards you know 20 person or less kind of events. And I just love that getting back to the intimacy of somebody's big day. And I actually decided a couple years ago, instead of going wedding route was quality over quantity. I was shooting lots and lots and lots of weddings and I loved it, but I was starting to get a tinge of that burnout feeling. And I, I didn't, I stopped immediately and said, this isn't fair. These clients are are booking me to photograph one of the biggest days of their lives. If I don't show up as excited (laughs) as they are, then there's something wrong. If I'm not getting nervous the night before because I'm creating memories for their grandkids, then I shouldn't be doing this. And so I dialed back the big weddings. I don't take as many just for that sake of staying fresh and staying engaged. I want my clients to get everything I can possibly give them. And in order to do that, I needed to kind of form my business model a little different. I decided instead of hiring other photographers, I wanted to just expand in a different way. Less big weddings, lots of small weddings. I absolutely love that. It's You can put everything you've got into a few hours, be completely present, but you don't get that 10-hour burnout that you can get from the big weddings, which um, I still love doing, but just less of them. So there's just this quality aspect I'm really looking for and this relationship aspect. Um, and same with my commercial work. I want, I'm not just photographing somebody's, you know, their item. It's, it's a big deal. What you do as a photographer is a big deal. And I just take that very, very seriously. That's cool. I, I think it would be a dream to be able to consistently shoot 20 person weddings. I mean, that, that's just amazing to me. You know, one of my best uh, or most, I guess, memorable, most favorite experiences as a wedding photographer was photographing an elopement. So it was just literally the bride and groom. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but this was in St. Lucia and it was just an absolutely incredible experience where you didn't have to worry about the logistics of two, three, 400 people. It's just the, and, and the family and, and the wedding coordinator pressuring you or anything. You're just focusing on being there and being present and photographing this very intimate day. It's, it's such a beautiful opportunity. That's my absolute favorite. I love it. And it's just evolved in the last couple of years. I have some vendors that are the most amazing people in the world and they are fantastic to work with. And they give, they give these people the same effort I am. And so we have this beautiful relationship of it's all about these clients and their big day and whether it's two of them or 20 of them. And it's just so intimate and so exciting. It makes it very easy to produce personal images that have that that quality because you cared behind them, especially when you're working with vendors that are putting everything they have into it as well. And it, it's really, it's a dream because you can focus on why you're there and what's important. Sometimes in big weddings, you can get lost in the logistics, which we all try to avoid. But what's most important is why you're there and those smaller weddings it, that's that's all it is and it's beautiful <laughs> i love it do you have a favorite piece of gear like is there a particular camera body that you're just crazy about or a lens or some random accessory or like what what's a favorite thing for you i don't know if i'm passionate about my i'm a total geek when it comes to technology so i think mostly i'm just when i show up with my camera bag with my stuff in it i'm just so excited i have all of it you work so hard as a business owner to get to the point where you have this nice equipment. I'm very, very proud of it and in a lot of ways very thankful for it, which sounds 
kind of dumb talking about inanimate objects, but I worked really hard to get this. And so I'm really excited to have it. And I love that I can give my clients that and show up with it. So I love, I Canon um, 5D Mark IV is my current awesome awesomeness. <laughs> I had the Mark III forever and it's beautiful as well. And then standard Canon lenses. The 70 to 200 is amazing. I'm currently in love with my 50 millimeter 1.2. It's just fun. I shoot a lot of chocolate with that. I shoot a lot of people lately just because you can get that beautiful aperture and everything like that. And then uh, it's a whole bag full of beautiful things that are applicable in every scenario, but just mostly so grateful that I can have that and use that and give that experience to my client where I can legitimately show up and say my photo will be better than your iPhone photo and feel really good about that. (laughs) Do you have a, is there a particular macro or tilt shift lens that you use for your chocolate photography? I use, I use my macro. It's a hundred, um, something. (laughs) And, um, my 50 millimeter, my two go-tos. The 50 is when I've got bigger shots. I do a lot of social media scene building kind of stuff where we've got a large array, but I don't want any of the flaring or technical terms that I'm I'm self-taught so I have no idea what half this stuff means when you talk about it from a textbook I make up my own terms so excuse (laughs) that (laughs) um yes but it it just keeps everything how I want it to look and then my macro is great for shooting smaller stuff so I shoot everything from catalogs on white backgrounds where I contract out people to cut and shadow with me all the way through to huge 10 foot by 8 foot booth one image cut into three pieces photos and everything in between social media all sorts of stuff so those two lenses pretty much can cover all of that and get me what I need you talked a little bit about well briefly anyway about the kind of the transition from wedding photography into commercial photography Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe ultimately what even interested you in it in the first place you know I, I don't I think a lot of wedding photographers, a big reason that they are wedding photographers is because they enjoy that interaction with another human being. So it's such a distinct difference when you have to actually engage your subject uh, in conversation versus chocolate and you're just looking at it and probably wanting to eat it too. <laughs> Which is, but like, what, what drove that, that kind of transition? And are you actually focusing more now on the commercial side of things than wedding photography? Maybe talk a little bit about this. In my mind, there was no transition. It was literally apply for this position and bam, here you go. And oh my gosh, I better figure out how to do this and how to do it really well, really fast. And then it just slowly evolved. It was this building of a relationship. It was like a first date that went pretty well, worked on it. Now it's this beautiful thing. And so there was no point when it shifted or when it when it, it just happened, which I'm, again, incredibly lucky for and grateful for the people who made that happen and worked really, really hard to do my best. But I don't emphasize one or the other. It's I'm at the position now where I'm year-round, part to full-time, depending on my kid's schedule, honestly. But that allows me to have diversity like we talked about. I'm past the seasonal point of it, and so I have busy times, but for the most part because the commercial work can be scheduled on my time in my studio, I can complement that really well with the weddings um, that are, you know, Saturdays or nowadays week weekdays. is <laughs> a lot of common things. So it, it just all meshes really well. And because the clientele is so different, I'm not emphasizing one over the other. They're both just kind of growing at their own pace. And I think, if anything, I'm probably putting a, a little bit more focus on the commercial just because it's it's just starting to take off in terms of client growth before it just happens. Let's just be real though, you like to eat the chocolate, right? Oh my 
gosh, I eat so much chocolate. The <laughs> amount of chocolate-covered potato chips I had for breakfast our last catalog shoot was atrocious. But it's delicious, and the people that I work with there are amazing. A typical day in my studio for, like, a chocolate shoot is, and I'll pick, there's different types of shoots that we do, and there's, I, I work with them a lot, so they'll be the client I probably reference the most of anyone. But um, <laughs> I have an amazing team that comes down from the factory and brings boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of chocolate that are layered three four layers deep and we basically just take my studio is not very big but we fill the entire thing up with chocolate for a week and there it's on it's all over the floor it's in boxes everywhere because there's just not enough room for it and then we just go through our list and we create everything from catalog images on white backgrounds that will cut and shadow just in a softbox kind of form all the way through to big scenes that might be used for social media or for a lot of website stuff, things like that. So a big week is a Monday through Friday, all day, every day, team of people in my office filled to the brim with chocolate, air conditioning cranked up, lots of sampling. <laughs> I was going to say, in all seriousness, like, do, do you end up eating a lot of it? I mean, you talked about the potato chips. I don't even know if I've had a chocolate-covered potato chip before, but like, how do you avoid that? And then do you end up sick of it, too, because the, the smell of chocolate and the sweetness all the time? And like, what is that like? There are definitely a couple items that I've overdone it on. I may not appreciate as much as I did prior to a photo shoot, but chocolate, you can't get over that. And the fact that there's so many different kinds and the people at Rocky Mount Chocolate are so brilliant at creating these flavors and every time it's something different and delicious. And I found that I, I am required to eat while I edit, that I have to be indulging while I edit or I can't really put myself in the position of the chocolate to edit it the right way. <laughs> it's a requirement. Um, <laughs> and I might go on a little bit of a sugar reduction a couple weeks after but otherwise I just say you know what this is what it is this is awesome and I enjoy it absolutely to the fullest and it's not it's not like I'm shooting catalogs every week or this wouldn't end well (laughs) do you how long does it take to get uh, and this is probably a multifaceted question I guess how many different shots would you do in in a week shoot like that and then how long does it take on average to get each shot we do these catalog shoots and they're definitely the biggest ones of the year and so it's a week week long of shooting and then it's usually one to two weeks of editing afterwards and there's anywhere between I think 80 images is the least we did all the way up to we might have hit 160 once 120 is pretty normal and that's website images social media and catalog images and these catalogs are the catalogs they send out to all their franchises all over the world and so we shoot differently for Japan than we might for Korea than we might for Saudi Arabia some variations and that kind of stuff kosher versus not non-kosher I've learned all these terms that I had nothing about before I started that it was as complicated as this to produce something worldwide a food item in particular but well, and you mentioned post-production, the editing after the fact. You've talked to me a little bit about this because, of course, we've, we've done editing work for your wedding photography. The post-production work for the chocolate side of things is a whole different ball game. Talk just briefly about what that actually looks like. Yeah, so I do have to thank Photographer's Edit because I would not be able to do this workflow that I have without without you guys. The, the Being able to have a designated editor, a team that's working on my stuff in a way that I know will come out probably better than if I did it is incredible. And the workflow and the ability to be more with my clients has been amazing. It doesn't apply to chocolate just because, and I shouldn't just say chocolate because I do multiple other types of commercial work, but that's just my biggest. Um, it doesn't apply as much to my products because it is so specific. So I might take a picture of a truffle and I need that truffle to be cleaned up around the edges. I need 
the inside filling to be lightened and moved around and then swirled and different things that I need done that are very specific notes that I take throughout the time that we're shooting. I do subcontract some amazing people to help me locally in Durango who cut and shadow for me. One, they're better at it than I am. I'm really not very good at it. And two, they are, they really, really help with the workflow same idea of using an editing service is it's somebody else to help you because it would take me four weeks to turn around these catalogs if I was doing it myself versus taking I think we did the last one in two weeks which is pretty cool for that amount of images and when you say cut and shadow you're you're talking about literally cutting that piece of chocolate or the chocolates out of the scene that you photographed and then dropping it somewhere else and, and adding a shadow or what does that look like We don't have to drop it anywhere, but you have to create the layers in a PSD so that when I send it to Rocky Mountain, they can do that. They put them in these catalogs where it's a blank format. We put white backgrounds behind them and shadow them so they can be easily inserted in these different formats. And so down the road, they can literally pull that image and put it anywhere on a poster and anything else and have it ready to go to move around. And so, yeah, it's just different types of work for different kinds of images that they need. Okay. So when you have both wedding clients, maybe a sprinkling of portrait clients, and then you have your commercial work. As you mentioned, it's not just chocolate. You're doing some other commercial photography as well. Are there disadvantages to not just focusing on one thing? Um, are there advantages to not... You already mentioned the variety. I mean, the, the benefit that comes from having not doing the same exact same thing over and over and over and over again, but are there disadvantages as well? It's a one-word answer, no. I mean, literally, I've, I have not found any big disadvantages in my business. Um, if anything, it's it's helped my business diversify, not only in terms of interest, but in terms of the financial stress that can come from being having all your eggs in one basket. So it's almost you know like an investment. It's like, well, you need to be diversified in order to feel that if something happens somewhere, you would be okay. I live in, you know, in a destination wedding town. With the economy comes the number of photographers and venues and tourists who come in. If we're having a really bad drought year this year, what if we have a fire season and all of a sudden no one wants to get married in Durango? That's a real thing. Um, Then I don't feel like my entire business and living is caught up in this one facet. Um, And so I I love the peace of mind it brings along with the diversity. Um, And I, I truly, I don't... I haven't seen any 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 reason that it would pull in a negative way. It's it's all come into enhancing my skills and my abilities and um, helping me be a well, more well-rounded photographer. And it keeps me fresh. I can show up ready to go even after I've had a huge huge catalog week to a wedding client because I haven't done that. I haven't been. It's completely different. So I've been working like crazy, but I feel completely fresh and new because I'm doing something different. And same exact thing. I have a big wedding season and all of a sudden we're doing a catalog. I'm ready to go. This is different. This is awesome. Um, I'm completely here and excited and feeling creative because it's completely different. That's really cool. I'm a little bit envious too. I mean, I, as a wedding photographer, I felt like I had enough to keep up with, but the idea that you're adding that additional genre is, um, well, it's commendable, certainly, what you've, what you've created from that. Challenging simultaneously, but ultimately the life that you're giving yourself as an entrepreneur is, is a really interesting one. And, and I love that you're, that you're just taking that in stride and going for it. It's, it's quite beautiful. And, and to that point, actually, if our listeners are maybe just getting into photography, or maybe they're already wedding or portrait photographers, but they're interested in kind of tapping into this realm of commercial photography, what are, just on a very practical level, what are some steps that they can take in that direction to maybe get into that, that field? So I'm a self-taught photographer. So my, 
my first thing ever with commercial or anything is just try it. Give it a shot. Um, the worst that can happen is it didn't work out. <laughs> it's worth a shot. Um, and most of the time, if you really do put everything you have into it, it it's going to work. Um, that's what I did with this. I, I got this job, and I have to, again, credit the incredible people that gave me this opportunity from Rocky Mountain, because I would not be here if it wasn't for them giving me a shot. But I worked really, really hard. So step one, try it. Give yourself a shot. See what's going to happen. Failure is is not all that scary. It just means you need to go do something else. So try it. And I have I have to interject there because it's such a good point. It's it's that notion of, and this is a good reminder for me too, actually. We, for whatever reason, as, as I think artist types in many cases tend to assume that that thing's got to be just right before you do it. And it's not just even in our professional life, in our personal life as well, right? But there's no reason you can't go for it and just course correct after the fact. Nobody's going to beat you up for not being perfect, right? Or at least I hope not. <laughs> That's what I did with, with the world of baby photography. Two years ago, I was convinced that was my path. Maybe it was three years ago. I was like, that's what I'm doing. I went to a conference. I focused on that. I went to all of the seminars. And after about a year, I was like, I just don't think I'm just not, that's one, I'm not incredibly passionate about it at this level. And two, I'm just not particularly that amazing at it. Like, it's just not really working out. And so my business was shifting that direction and I shifted it right back. And it's not like I had to change brands or change anything. I just started referring people, those clients that maybe were coming in for that and stopped marketing for it, took it off as a prominent thing on my website. It wasn't hard. I just realized that that's probably not the route I want to go. I really do want to work more on this food commercial side. For some reason, this is working and I really like it. And so, yeah, firsthand, <laughs> it's, it's these curves. And I don't look at that as a failure. I look at it as trying something and it wasn't quite the right fit. So go try something else. And you could say that I failed, but I don't see it that way. It's just not a big deal. I learned a lot. And Well, and we talked about this earlier again during our, our brunch. We covered a lot, I think, during our brunch. But one of the things that we talked about was the significance of continuing to move forward. It's so easy to get inside of our head. And again, I speak from personal experience and get stuck there. And it becomes this really bad cycle of thinking about how we feel and thinking about, in this case, how we might fall short and how it's not exactly right. And, and we just stay there. It's better to take that step forward, let it be imperfect if it is, that's fine, and likely it will be, right? But take the step forward, and if you have to course correct, that's totally okay. So that's good. That's a good first step. Just give it a try. What's, what's the next step? I think the next step is realizing that a lot of this commercial world and food world is self-taught, and so you need to get out there and do it. Um, I have been looking for education since I started with Rocky Mountain four years ago, um, and I've had a really hard time finding it. I've had a, a friend out of New York who does this and is incredible at it, who's helped me a little bit and answered questions when I had them. But in terms of finding things like WPPI to go to for commercial and food photography, call me if you know of it because I can't find it. I, I see little ones all over the country of people that I don't know and maybe they offer a seminar, but it, there's no big social world around this. So what I have taken from that is that a lot of it's self-taught and you really just need to get out and do it. And so for me, that was step two is instead of doing what I did before, which was get all the books on it, pull in the information, sit there and read or call or go to a seminar, or go to a conference, you just need to go do it and learn from it. And um, I see a business opportunity here too. There might be room for somebody to come out and teach this, right? Or, or write a book or, or do something, create a website, something. 
There are definitely some people who are doing it. It's just not at the level that it's easy to find. And I, I would love to teach someday once I feel like I'm an expert, so that'll probably never happen because I don't think you can ever really be an expert at this. What, what was that thing about just trying again? Yeah. <laughs> There's also not being too confident that your ego gets in the way of improving always. But yeah, it's it's it's... A lot of it is self-driven and self-taught, and there's always someone to find to talk to, um, which is great. Seek out those relationships and those resources. But in terms of the mass-fed knowledge that you can get for things like wedding photography or photography in general, um, I've, I've yet to find the really specific breakdowns unless you really, really search for it. So go out there, give it a shot. And then the next step I had after that was start talking to people locally and see how you can help them and develop your skills and portfolio. So, again, relationships. This <laughs> commercial, nobody thinks of. It's like, oh, I need to sit in my studio and practice with a piece of anything. No, you need to get out and talk to people. Um, I took photos for a local restaurant when I was first getting started, and they were awful. And I feel really bad about that, and I will give them a free session. I think it was a free session, so it helps a lot. But getting started, you just have to do that. Go talk to people. Do you want some photos of your, of your food, of your restaurant? Do you want to get some of your products going, anything like that, any way any photographer builds a portfolio when they're just getting started. But in this realm, it's, it's particularly important because you're networking and forming those relationships and learning. And you got to be okay with not making money from that effort too, right? Right. And I think that's true. I mean, the first wedding I did, I did for $500 and it took me way more time than it ever should have. So in any world, when you're getting started and building a portfolio, you have to realize, again, this going back to our initial question, that uphill battle of starting something, it's a hard work. It's a lot of work. And I got luck, really lucky with Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory, but that first, that first commercial shoot, I had way more hours off the clock than I did on the clock. I mean, I worked so hard to produce what I did and now it's easy. And that's, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's definitely a lot more simple and I understand the process and I know how to do it as opposed to four years ago in that uphill battle. So whether or not you're getting paid for it, just realize that the beginning, it's hard. Any new job is. It takes time to learn and it takes practice. So just stick with it and If it's the right fit, it will be. And if not, you didn't fail, go find something else to do. (laughs) And then I think a last step is just believing in yourself and running with it. Kind of what I just said. If you think you can do it and you're passionate about it, go for it. And if it doesn't work out, like we just said, that's okay. You did a really good job. But odds are, if you work really hard and you, you, you enjoy it and you're an opportunity seeker and you're into that relationship building, it, it's going to work out. Um, but that's hard to see when you're, when you're struggling up the hill. So <laughs> keep going. <laughs> well, and I like the, the fact that you mentioned hard work because it's, it's easy to say, I'm passionate about something. I'm going to be able to do it. But the reality is there is a certain level of technical expertise that you have to develop certainly learning a workflow when it comes to, to working with the team, for example, to, to do these shoots for the chocolate. Um, it, it's going to take hard work, learning something new, going at a new venture. Passion's really important. Just understand that, that there is going to be some work involved, potentially a lot of work involved. And you have to be, and I'm kind of preaching to myself in this too, but you have to be okay with just sitting in that uncomfortability being willing to put in some extra hours at times and and really truly put yourself into it in order to make something of it. I think an easy way to do that is when you're realizing it's not about you, when it's about the reason you're doing it. I'm not doing this to make money. That just happens to be a beautiful result. I'm doing this because I care about 
the person that I'm producing this for. I'm, I care about the company that hired me and is paying me to do this. So I better work really hard and do the best job I can do. Now, the best job I can do four years ago isn't nearly the best job I can do now, but that's all you can give it the time you can give it. So I think it's just, if you keep in mind what it's really all about, it just makes the hard work not really matter. That's, that's what you do. I want to give you the best I can give, so I'll do whatever I need to do to do that and do it in a fair way. So yeah, it's off the clock. Who cares? I, I was able to produce a, de- a good image for you, and that's what it's about. Um, and I'll learn and get better. And now here, it's like we can do all of that on the clock and produce great stuff and have a wonderful time doing it. And every single time, you get better and better, and that just benefits your client. And that's truly what it's about. It's not about my portfolio or how much money you make. It's it's about the reason that you're doing it, which is the person, people, company, couple, whoever, that it's the reason that you're a photographer. That's beautiful. And I think it's a really wonderful way to kind of close our conversation. I, I love the the heart. You say passion and it is such a kind of a cliche term that we hear a lot, but there's an obvious passion in your voice when you're talking about it, which is really beautiful. And I, and I do appreciate you sharing that with us today. And I have to say, for those of you listening in, I mentioned um, Lindsay's Instagram account earlier, but you have to go check that out because you'll see this chocolate. I think you just posted a picture of, um, was it the, the orange peels, the chocolate-covered orange peels? Oh, my word. That's like the chewy fruit candy with chocolate on top. Yes, please. That, that's, I love that stuff. But you guys have to go check that out. Um, And in fact, I'll just let you share once again your website as well as social media channels where our listeners can find you so they can see all this work, follow what you're doing, and maybe learn a little bit more about what you're doing, if you will. Yeah, so my website is epic, E-P-P-I-C-H, photography.com. Epic was my maiden name, so I named my business Epic Photography. Um, And then my Instagram account is Epic Photography, same thing. And my Facebook page is as well. And Facebook and Instagram are where I can share a lot of the images that I do because my companies post them and I can repost them. It's all with the rights that I respect incredibly for how these legal processes work and so check it out i'd love that um and if anyone has any questions call or email it's all about relationships and there's there's no reason not to have a conversation that's how i got started i called and emailed people and they answered and i was always so grateful for that so it's all about building this little community we have that's beautiful thank you so much for truly for making time i'm glad that we were talking about before we get started the fact that we were able to actually do this in person we've been talking about this idea for a little bit glad that we actually get to sit down here at wp and make this happen so thank you for making time for me and for the boca podcast community thank you this was a wonderful experience Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.